Hello, beautiful human, and welcome to the Ryan Magic Show. I'm so pumped that you're here. And before I introduce this episode's guest, I want to encourage you to send me a message on Instagram. My handle is the Ryan Magic. In this episode, I interview the amazing Rohan Sheth on the secrets to building riches in business and life. Now, Rohan is a wildly successful entrepreneur, and he made his millions growing a results-driven marketing agency. I've been very impressed with his marketing and sales skills, and being a good friend of, of his, I've really understood the back end of what it took to build it, but he's literally managed over $30 million in advertising spend across his agencies, which is just super impressive. But the thing that I really loved about our conversation is that we went really deep on the vulnerabilities behind the challenges of building a business and also maintaining an incredible relationship and family life. And so, yeah, there's a a wide variety of topics. The main learnings that I think you're going to get from this is is how how a growth mindset is the key to becoming rich, how real power comes from acknowledging yourself, how finding your values is the key to true success. You're going to learn about the hierarchy of personal development, how equanimity is the secret to scale a multi-million dollar business, how to deal with gut-wrenching business failures. You're going to learn about the three main roles that you can play in a business, the key to striking work-life balance, and the actual reason that people burn out in business, and a bunch more. So I really, really enjoyed this conversation. There was so much depth to it, and it's coming from someone that two people that have been very heavily involved in multiple business ventures. So it was really, really beautiful. And I hope you guys enjoy it. So without further ado, let's get in. So welcome to the Ryan Magic Show. Today, we're here with my good friend, Rohan. As you guys know, you just heard the bio. This guy's an absolute legend. Man, we go way back. But I just realized when we're doing our eye gaze just then, we haven't really spent lots of one-to-one time. So you know, it's, I would say even though it's been a space between which I'd last, there's lots of, uh, it's lots of space to grow in our friendship. And I'm looking forward to connecting more in the chat today. So thanks for coming on, man. Thanks for having me. Pleasure, dude. So there's lots of things we could discuss on the, the the show today. I like to let the interviews run, but what I was uh, curious to know when I was eye gazing and just popped into my mind is what what are like the what are the the th- I'm going to say the three hardest things that you've ever gone through in your life before you started in business that you think have had an impact on how you live and where you are now ever gone through before I started business? That's a great question. So growing up, um, I'm not sure. I don't know if we've ever talked about this. So growing up from like zero to 11 years old, I grew up in an extremely wealthy family. Um, born in India, raised there till I was 11, moved to Canada. And went from that, like living to point where I was flying first class, flying business class, living in luxury hotels, like literally out of my mom's womb almost. Um, and my parents gave all of that up because of some, in families issues that went on back in India, moved to Canada and moved to pretty much what would you call the ghetto? Like literally it's considered the ghetto today. Back then I was like, oh fuck, I'm leaving, I'm leaving India, moving to Canada. This can't be that much any any worse. But realizing looking back at where I went, going into that situation, um, coming from a different country, obviously going through the early stages of getting bullied and kind of language and like I spoke English pretty fluently growing up. So I guess I'll have that, but it was, you know, having that bit of an accent moving into it. Um, that was one of the early challenges, uh, later on in life, another challenge Wait, that I, before, had, before we move on from that, how old were you again, when you went to Canada? 11, 
11. So that's like, that is like the prime age of, uh, <laughs> of kids trying to find their way in school and, and make friends and stuff like that. Um, that's, that's a, that's a big deal, man. Yeah, it was tough. It was definitely very tough because um, obviously it was a whole new dad, like leaving school, leaving, forget about just, you know, leaving your suburb or moving to another suburb. It was leaving an entire country, leaving an entire understanding of what my being was. Um, moved to Canada, no, knew nobody, knew no, had no friends, had to build it all back up again from scratch and kind of go from there. Um, that was challenging for sure. You got bullied a bit? Oh, yeah, definitely did. Going into like grade six, because I came in, I did two months of grade six. It was summer and then grade seven. So going into like grade seven, grade eight, definitely got bullied pretty heavily in terms of just kind of trying to figure out what the hell it was. Because back back in India, you know, school is just school and it's just like everything's academically driven. Over here, it's so much more socially driven. Um, it was very, very different mentality getting into that. Um, and it kind of opened my eyes a little bit because I grew up at straight A's honors as a kid. Uh, coming here, I didn't I, like. I liked school. I liked learning, but I didn't like what I was going through. And as soon as I figured out that there was a different context and different outcome to what I was going to go through in school here, I kind of just like rebelled and went the other way. Um, you know, and then ended up in a situation where. Do you think that's because you got, Do you think that's kind of because you like you like? Hang in a second. I was taught to believe that this was going to create success for me. Now the same thing that was earning me praise and recognition when I was in India, is actually getting me bullied here. What the fuck? Like, thanks for setting me up. You're like, man, I got to change my goalposts here. Yeah, pretty much. That's exactly what it was. That was one. And then over there, it's like, you know, if you're not in the 99 percentile of the top in the class, you're pretty much dumb. Uh, <laughs> like, that's literally what it was like. Um, like, if, like, the, like, if you weren't getting like 99 plus percent on exams and tests and stuff, like you were it was, it was a tough, tough environment, very tough environment. Um, I learned a lot from that. Um, obviously, that was probably good, some good challenges there. Um, and then came here, didn't really care to go to school much um, post grade 10, kind of just turned into just my, the, my true entrepreneurial self started to come out. Um, and then from there, transitioned into challenges that I had in career right after that. Um, because before, be- before we go into that, I know you just want to skip ahead, you little speedy Gonzalez. So what, um, what do you think inspired you to want to get into entrepreneurship? Because it's interesting. I'm curious to know now that you, that I really understand you've got, cause you're very intelligent. I've always recognized and saw that, but I've also seen you as a very, powerful social you're obviously a gun salesperson you're great at socializing and interacting with people so you're a people person and you are a you know an intelligent academic as well like you're strategic like uh yeah i'm gonna there's two questions here the first one i want to know is you now obviously are successful in business and you've, you've been very successful so far so what do you think plays more of a part out of those two strategic or people skills? People skills. Yeah, it's interesting, eh? Yeah. 100% it's people skills. Um, but with, there's no doubt in my mind. I wouldn't even think about that. Like in today's day and age, I say this all the time where it's like, if there's one skill that I'm grateful that I went through those challenges is how to learn and adapt being around people. Mm, that's powerful, man. Because most people, <laughs> it's just the other generation, right? Like, well, your parents... Were your parents like really gunning for your like success growing up? 
Yeah. So growing up, they, I had always had a goal and kind of something that I always said to my parents since I could remember, like I was traveling all my life early on. I remember I had a, you know, a vision of wanting to be a commercial and pilot. And that's kind of what I always said. So everything that they did was in, th- in that one way of making me get to that school. I eventually did go to school for it. Did I end up there? No, uh, but I didn't end up going to school for it. And they did gun for that success. But eventually, you know, here we are completely different. Yeah. Definitely. Success. <laughs> yeah. And how have they found like, were there times where you cop some flack for them for like that more rebellious phase and, and then getting less uh, school focused? Yeah. Um, going through grade 10, 11 and 12 was very rebellious. I started working at McDonald's and kind of just being very focused. So they could see that, you know, I had an entrepreneurial side, but I also knew that I had hard work in, in kind of instilled into me um, just at a young age. And, you know, and they were like throughout the high school, they knew skipping class. My mom would get called into the principal's office. I've got stories about that for a whole different podcast. If you want to talk about all the stories my mom's got from me skipping class and getting caught and all this stuff. Um, naughty, but, naughty. Uh, <laughs> but she exactly but she kind of always knew that at the end of the day i was going to end up somewhere doing something that i would no matter what figured out my own because it, like you know the pattern that i had from coming to canada and moving forward was i always kind of had to figure it out like that was just kind of what it was just was like get thrown into challenging environments and get and figure out how to come out successful on the other side of it no matter how difficult things were yeah. um so you talk oh. about you talk about entrepreneur like uh, they could see I had an entrepreneurial spirit like where where did that come from? Um, I don't know where it came from um, initially, but I just knew dig, I kind of dig think about it. Yeah, the, the, like if I go back and correlate it, find the cause of the entire thing. You know, there's correlation and causation, but the cause of me wanting to be an entrepreneur was growing up in an entrepreneur environment. My uncle built one of the largest um, travel agencies in India to a point where my dad and him had opened an airline and then my dad split and kind of went down that route. That's the wealthy side of my family came from. Wow. Uh, yeah. yeah. So that was the original foundational cause of being an entrepreneur because I had created an association at a young age, of, you know, money, wealth, business. So in my head, subconsciously, I was always feeding that, feeding that to myself. Um, and and not understanding what it was. I never really learned entrepreneurship. I never really was taught sales or anything like that. And I just kind of got myself into a situation where I was selling pocket bikes. And this story, I've told the story on plenty of different podcasts, like way more in depth and we can get, you can, if people want to listen to that story, we can talk about it somewhere else, go listen to it somewhere else. But this one, I want to kind of share one of the challenges that I came from it because of your question. Um, and selling those pocket bikes, it taught me challenges in business that I would learn at a young age because it almost got me expelled from school, um, selling those pocket bikes. Cause I would literally talk about being marketing. Like I didn't understand what marketing was. I didn't understand what sales was. I knew one thing I had something that my suit, my you know, peers in high school wanted. So I just take it last period, skip, go home, pick it up, come back to school and start ripping around the fucking parking lot, gaining attention. What is that marketing, right? Like that's literally what I do for day marketing so um that's kind of where it all started and at a young age so that's where you almost got expelled because of the ripping it in the car park yeah ripping around time because i got warnings and all this good stuff and i was like i don't give a fuck i'm just gonna keep going until i keep getting sales i'm just gonna keep going you know what man most people skip that basic uh it's like a guttural does it just insatiable need to get sales people yeah. people miss that and so they they don't look at the common sense ways to get people in as as clients they uh they just they look for their like the the way that they're told on the internet that you should get clients like 
but I'm not mastering Facebook ads. It's like, well, where are your people? Go there, speak to them and just yeah. get it happening. Just move in that. And that's exactly what you're doing as a, as a kid. It's just, it's common sense, but it's, it's not so common. And, yeah. uh, that's, that's beautiful. Yeah. So that's kind of what ended up happening for me. Um, and that, that in itself, I did like what over six figures in sales at the age of 15, um, selling bikes from China. Like talk, when people want to talk about drop shipping, I was originally drop shipping before drop shipping was ever a, you know, a cliche term in today's day and age. Cause that's literally what I was doing. Um, and then took that, finished off, ended up getting to a point where I was running McDonald's, but I was one of the youngest managers in McDonald's corporate in Vancouver, um, running stores for them. Um, and it just got to a point where the next, the next phase of my challenging career began and that was going to school. And I knew I wanted to be a pilot, went to school to be a pilot, um, got through three quarters of the entire thing. So what was supposed to be a 24 month program, I was going to do it in 12, um, just cause I just literally committed to it. And I was like, fuck it. I'll spend 18 hours a day here. If I have to, I don't care. I'll get it done. Um, and three quarters of the way through, I realized that this was more of a passion than it was a purpose. And I didn't want to be a pilot anymore. I wanted to be a pilot to enjoy it, not for a career. Are you, uh, are you a pilot? Uh, I had my pilot's license. I haven't gotten, gotten renewed in since I've been building these companies, but it is a new goal of mine that's been reset to go back and get recertified. Dude, uh, I'd love for you to take me for a spin. Done. Next time I come to Australia, I'll, I'll make sure I've got my license back and then we'll go up and fly around Melbourne. That sounds amazing. I actually also studied to get my uh, my casual pilot's license. What's that called? Private pilot's license. I just didn't have the money to get enough hours up, but I passed my academic test and did like, 10-ish hours of flying. Uh, it's fun. It's really fun. Yeah. Um, so got that, dropped out of college, and then didn't know what the hell I was going to do. Completely had no idea. I had the opportunity to go back to McDonald's. McDonald's found out, like the corporate McDonald's found out that I wasn't in college anymore, got harassed to come back. But in the subconscious part of myself, you know, that I had that conversation going in the back of my head where if I went back there, I knew that was a career I was choosing and I would have probably never deviated from that because it was, they were setting me up with, you know, a car, um, a credit card with a company, like just a typical, you know, corporate Canada or corporate America lifestyle where it's like, you literally have to not worry about anything. Just go show up from, you know, whether it's nine to five, nine to seven, whatever, everything else is going to be taken care of. But it wasn't. How old were you when you dropped out of uh, the, the pilot's license training? 19. 19 dude that's pretty rare that someone would choose to drop out of something before they have their next thing set it's very rare it just seems quite yeah it seems really awesome but it's very rare yeah good courage very rare um and then literally lost confused trying to figure out what the hell to do and i remember on google at the time searching like top careers that i could do and like just kind of going through different Google searches and I came across an article and I laugh every single time. I wish I took a screenshot of this article back in the day because today this story makes it so much better. And it was like the top five, top eight things you can do um, in 2000 and what would have been 2008 um, that you can make a six figure income in a very short period of time. Cause it was like, that's kind of the context of the search history that I was going down. Yeah. Number one was drug dealing. Number two was being a hooker. Number three was sales. <laughs> <laughs> so you went for uh, the hooker. 
<laughs> that's exactly what I went for. Um, yeah, but no, I went down the sales route. And I just kind of, that's when the correlation came back to my life of as a um, kid just selling uh, the pocket bikes. And I did some door-to-door sales kind of back then with cut cone knives, et cetera. But those are just brief little stints. And um, it wasn't even actually door-to-door. It was like selling to like family members and shit. It was fucking stupid. Um, but that's kind of what I did. But like, And then I was like, well, who's going to hire a 19-year-old dropout kid out of college that has no idea what the hell he's going to do? The only corporate experience he's got, only work experience he's got is McDonald's. I literally just went on, you know, my version of Gumtree, which is Craigslist at the time. You guys have Gumtree in Australia. Mm-hmm. And I just applied for every single sales job I could. Like every single sales job that was on there, I just applied. I didn't give a shit. Like it was like, fuck, what's the worst that could, what's the worst that could happen? Like, I don't get a phone call. Like that's kind of what my mentality was. Yeah. Uh, fast forward to a couple of weeks later, I got a phone call from a company that called me in. Lo and behold, it was a door-to-door sales company. Um, and that's where my sales career started. I ended up getting hired by them, doing door-to-door for them. Almost got fired three weeks into being there because I just wasn't producing because it was a very different environment of like knocking 120 doors a day. You had like all these quotas that you had to hit. Um, and then transition from that, it ended up in a situation where um, almost getting fired to six months later, I was the number one selling uh, door-to-door salesman in the company. Amazing. Canada-wide. Wow. Yeah. So that was, that was one part of my career. Uh, transitioned from there, doing door to door. Did that for a decent amount of time. Started doing direct sales, in-home selling. I was selling an Australian company, actually. They came to Canada, rebranded. It was a company called Kinetic Learning out of Australia. Um, they rebranded to Academy One Learning in Vancouver, or in Vancouver specifically. And I was selling them. So they were selling like education packages, like tutoring packages to students on computer uh from ranging from six and a half thousand dollars to thirteen thousand dollars and i had 90 minutes to 120 minutes to sell this to a family from the time i showed up to their house the time i had to leave um i was leaving with thirteen thousand dollars and their top three salesperson month over month for the entire time i was ever there i realized um at that point in time put myself into a challenging situation again transitioning to where the career came to today was because I'd mastered the art of one-to-one selling and I got completely bored. Um, and I wanted to master the art of one-to-many selling and doing uh, marketing and copywriting and all that good stuff that came from that. And literally that was a multi six figure job at 21, 22, doing pretty well, or 22, 23, sorry, doing pretty well for myself. And literally just walked into my boss's office one day and said, fuck it. I'm out. <laughs> no rhyme or reason. Just I'm out. I just kind of, it was like, I didn't want to do it anymore. Um, you know, because my, my whole theory in life is like, if you're going to do something, just decide to do it and did figure you think, out. Did you think about that for long before you made that call? It was, it kind of built up like subconsciously, slowly, but steadily. I just kind of like lost passion for the job. Then I started asking for more challenging leads just to see if I could create like more of a spark back in. No matter how challenging the leads were, I was still selling. Um, I was still doing numbers. And then like, for me, it was one, once again, the same conversation, like what else is there? Like, what more, like, what more can I do? Like, you know, there was no, there was, it kind of hit that glass ceiling. Mm-hmm. Fast forward from that point on, um, dropped out and started to learn marketing and kind of literally went from six figures to almost six figures in debt mm-hmm. um, and close to that or so. And from there, turn around. And, How? Well, I had no income. <laughs> <laughs> you were just living it up and living it up i went from the lifestyle of like going out every weekend partying all the time paying for friends doing dumb shit so like i was making good money but not saving anything because i never was never taught like you know parents always said save money save money save money it's like yeah fuck it, i'll do that later on in my life 
Um, you, never, knew you were going to get to a point where you made a lot of money. Exactly. It was just kind of like that whole subconscious conversation with myself and it just got, it didn't get there. Um, and it went from that to, you know, literally to a point where I remember very, very distinctly that I was coming, I was coming to Australia for the very first time with my wife and her mom. This is my fiance, she was fiance at the time. And the, I had built up a bunch of debt on my credit cards and I got and sold a bunch of stuff to pay how off my credit. You, how old were you here? Uh, 24. 24. How old are you now? Uh, 31. 31, yeah. Um, and, uh, and got to, got to that point where I paid off my credit card, I called up the bank and I'm sitting down and I'm like, this next morning I'm leaving for Australia. I was like, Hey, I just paid off the credit card. I don't see it hit the bank. I don't see it on my online banking anymore. What's going on? They're like, Oh yeah. As soon as the money hit the card, we deleted the card off your account. So you don't have a credit card with us anymore. Ruthless. Ruthless. So now I'm getting like, well, what the hell do I do? Do I go to Australia? Do not all this other crazy shit. And long story short, I ended up doing the trip, borrowed some money from my parents, uh, did the trip, had a trip, came back. Um, but this entire time, I was spending a lot of time educating myself, like, and absolutely like reading books, et cetera. Like some of the books that like, I've got an entire bookshelf there full of probably 300 books that I've kind of at some point read or gone through some part of it at some point. Um, so I spent a lot of time in courses and books, reading and educating. And this has been, came back from that, um, and 24 months later was doing multi six figures in my agency. Awesome. I feel like agencies are such an easy, uh, like such an easy model, not easy, easy, easy to make it work, but it's easy entrance. It's like low barrier to entry. You can just, it's a low barrier to entry. Absolutely. It's the quickest way to get to, you know, $10,000 a month. No problem. Uh, in my personal opinion, if you're in, in a, you know, if your back's up against the wall, go and just, it's service at the end of the day, you're rendering service for somebody, your expertise or somebody else's delivery is all it comes down to. Um, and yeah, I took everything that I was doing from the affiliate world because I was making like small, a couple hundred bucks here and there. It wasn't anything crazy, but like I had the knowledge base and I just took the knowledge base and went, took my skill set of one-to-one selling and I put the two together in the marketing field and built that. You sound a little bit like a young Ty Lopez here. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, you never know. You'd be like, here in my garage with the books. It's exactly what I was thinking when you, what's that in the background there? You guys like full. Signs that are just hanging on the wall. No, no, the uh, the neon. There's neon stuff going on. Nothing? No, can you turn the the camera that way? Yeah, what's, what the hell? That's a green screen. Oh, it's a green screen. I thought you had like green. a rave party neon setup. No, that's, there. that's a back for that's a that's the signs for my company for the ads that I shoot there, and the green screen for all the other stuff that I for shoot. The, there. For the listeners of the podcast, I'm just going to tour of our hands office. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> his home office. Beautiful man. So, yeah. thank you for sharing that about the the challenges. This is before we got into business. I know there's been a lot of uh, insane stuff that's happened since then. Um, but I've got a random question that's popped into my mind that I'm curious to know if you could like, you're obviously going to live out the rest of your life, healthy and happy fingers crossed. If you like 20 year version of you, so you just teleport 20 years down the, the, into the future, there's like, no, you've lived out 20 years and that version of you comes back to the version of you now. So you're like 31. So 51 year old version of you, what do you reckon the 51 year old version of you would tell you is your current biggest blind spot in life? Ooh. Blind spot, meaning you're not aware of it yet. 
the 51 year old version of me telling the 31 year old version of me what the Wait, current blind spot yeah. is. Yeah. Like something you haven't thought of before. Cause somehow the future oh, pays it. I'm just curious. If I were to future pace it, I think one of the biggest things in it's funny, I went through this over the weekend with John. Um D Martini for the folks that are listening. D Martini, yeah. Uh, is I don't give myself a lot of credit where credit is due. Because I just kind of stay in the day to day and kind of just do what I'm kind of I run a lot of it through subconscious and just kind of based on decisions that need to be made in the time. Um finding the balance and the decision and then kind of go down that route. And like a lot of times people have a, a lot of times asked me, it's like, why haven't you gone and built out an information business and educate you know, people to a point of where you've come to. And it's like, it's that typical quote unquote cliche thing that most people talk about the imposter syndrome, but whereas like, I don't really have, there's no reason to why I should be there, but I'd say that's a big blind spot of mine. Dude, I really appreciate the vulnerability, man. That in itself is like very impressive. What like why do you think that's why do you think the fifty one year old version of you would want to point that out like why do you think it's a would be a problem if it wasn't kind of like addressed? Um, I think it's just because if I'm future pacing myself and I look back, it's like how much more could I have achieved if I didn't have that? You meaning that like you would keep doing the things that you already know how to do well, which is strategically isolate opportunity and aggressively pursue it until it happens but Correct. then but then you kind of are thinking that there's there's more opportunity in another way to to live your life in a fulfilled way yeah in a way where it's just like you know it's like you know what you know you know what you're good at you know how to scale companies that's your that's become like my you know subconscious second nature skill set it's like why aren't i doing it more and taking bigger chunks of it maybe is it from the challenges that we've talked about prior to the podcast starting i don't know and stuff that I'm working through every single day. And it's like, you know, it's, just, it's at the end of the day, it's the, the balance and uh, fantasy of balancing out the negative self-talk that goes on in our head and where, and what are we judging within ourselves a lot of the times? Mm. Have you heard of ER or YPR? Uh, the entrepreneur organization. Yeah. Yeah. I was in ER for a while. I only recently jumped out because I literally wasn't growing a business. So you catch up monthly with these, these dudes, they do well, the guys in my group did anywhere from kind of like eight mil a year to 150 mil a year. And we had one conversation that was on the topic of success versus fulfillment. And it was so interesting. Everyone in the group, everyone in the group had some kind of uh, unhealthy relationship with the way that they recognized what they'd achieved and was, and, and some people were in their fifties and they still struggled to give themselves permission to do things they enjoyed. Like for, uh, I'll just make, you know, you're not allowed to share exact stories from the thing, but I'll just make up a scenario. So like, which is close to what someone experienced is like a big successful firm in some kind of industry and loves creative projects, but never gives himself permission to do it because he just keeps hitting the next quarter's targets that he has to. And if he doesn't, it gets really frustrated at himself. He's in his fifties and he's got enough money to last like a few, a solid few lifetimes. And it's just like that lack of permission to do what he actually wants to do. And, and, and I struggled with this so much. So because what I, my dream was always to be like a Tony Robbins style speaker, but I was always like not successful enough yet, not successful enough yet, need more revenue, need more profit, need a bigger team, need more success behind me 
and 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 also uh, before I give myself permission just to go after what I really want to do. That was my kind of like version of it. And it's very interesting because I see it with most entrepreneurs. Yeah, and it's definitely something. It's like you know, no matter what challenges that come through your life, it's like you're always kind of going to look at the, what's the next biggest thing. But it's like, but if you don't have a mission or a purpose in life to fulfill, what are you here to do? Why are you kind of living your life a lot of times? And I think that's where one of the big changes that I made that I'm working on very actively right now in 2021 is, you know, I lived most of 2020 just in trying to survive, keeping the company afloat, keeping the company moving forward. And, you know, we got hammered pretty heavily at the earlier stages of the COVID shutdown. Um, we bounced back pretty quickly, but it was just like, what if living in that, what if, but it's like, yeah, what, what if it does happen? What's the worst case you have? Fucking build it back up again. You've done it once. You'll do it quicker the next time. Yeah. So now I'm, living in the present and kind of living in the moment and yeah. going through that. Well, if you weren't allowed to rebuild an agency or I can, what would you do if you had to start from scratch right now? Having the knowledge that I have today. Um, yeah. Let's say the business knowledge, but yeah. Yeah. Having the knowledge. Yeah. Yeah. Having the business knowledge that I have today, what would I rebuild is I would go down the road of, Doing the what I'm going down now more focusing on is leverage buyouts. So going in and buying companies um, with for pretty much zero down or you know um, owner financed and scaling them up. Like a Roland um, phrases. Right. Yeah. yeah. Okay, yeah. that's cool. And so very commercialized now, but yeah, exactly that. So I've got a, a follow up uh, question that's like tightening the hold a little bit even more. If you were never going to get any cash. Like, like you, no matter what you did from a career, you still have to work full time or more than full time. But there's no financial return from it. Uh, what you did, I mean, you could do anything. You could try to be a pro soccer player. You could fucking anything. What would you choose to do if you had to start from a blank canvas now? And I was not getting paid for it. It's just not going to make. Like, you could choose to be a hedge fund manager, or you could be like a social worker, and you'd get paid the same. Let's say you get paid 150k a year, no matter what, or 200k a year. What would I do? I would travel the world sharing and inspiring more people with the craziness of my life and the stories yeah. that I have for people. That's interesting. I was just curious. Because I feel like when you ask that question, you understand like, I talked to James about this a bit. We've got a mutual friend, James Hepburn, who's coming on the, the podcast next. Um, and, and and we talk a lot about like, what's the thing that really lights you up? And it's just like, it's interesting. Just interesting to to think about life's so interesting on the same token hard work i've found because i went on the old hippie journey where i just chilled out for a while and said stuff it i'm gonna like challenge the part of me that needs to work to feel enough and just not work and, and to just attempt to enjoy my life in more of a like a chilled way like a hippie way and i lacked a lot of fulfillment there was a lot of things that were fulfilling but it's also hard work is fulfilling especially for men the 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 need to do hard things yeah. is kind of ingrained into our into our biology. We, we like hard work, um, but yeah, what De Martini talks about is uh, is the Taos, where it's it's like your highest mission, the thing where just easy and natural to do. You just want to do it all. Like you're willing to go through the the challenges to pursue it because you love it that much. I'm curious to know what what are the, what's the biggest thing that you've learned from De Martini? Uh, living in your authentic self and living in your values. Oh yeah. Do you want to explain what that means for the guys that are listening at a deeper level? Yeah. So living in your values is pretty much 
we most people live their lives um there's there's things that they value there's things, there's things that they don't value in their lives uh but when we're building companies or working we're usually doing it for an extra for an external reason that really doesn't bring fulfillment like you said into your life um what are the three common things that if you were to you know demarcate exercise on his website and if you go on there just figure out i'm breaking down to understand what your values are some people's values are family some people's values are social some people's values are business and then there's you know that's your number one thing and then from there you've got your other three like if there's the top three that has never deviated in the last two years has been business learning and travel now 2020 put a dead big challenge for me on travel without a doubt um but i had to find a new way to how i was getting to travel without traveling, you know, it's like sort of doing more zoom calls with people in different parts of the world and kind of experiencing that part, you know, physically I wasn't traveling, but it's like still understanding that whole thing. But in that moment, my value shifted a little bit because I had a baby and kind of the values went from traveling to family and, you know, family's not always been in my top five. It just kind of moved around and always moves around. Um, business and learning has been my number one and number two at any given time sometimes they flip where learning is number one and business number two and sometimes it's business number one learning and mm. learning is number two so for me it's been that because before i was living from it from a perspective of you know i'm doing this for money i'm doing this for social proof i'm doing this for fame i'm doing this for the shit that just didn't matter to me it's like right i built you know um i built a pretty decent sized network. I've built a, you know, decently successful company. Um, and it all came from me living in the values that I truly enjoy doing. Cause I will wake up every single day and go to work for the companies, no matter whether I got paid or I did it in the company after, cause I absolutely enjoy it. I'd wake up every day and learn no matter what, whether I got paid to do it or not. I wake up every single day and had the opportunity to get on a plane and travel to a different part to, you know, visit a new country and, and live in a new culture and taste the new foods. You, you wouldn't need to pay me to do that. I would do it without a damn, without Imagine a heart in a heartbeat. To do that. <laughs> Just go to a new guy. And I did. And I truly did. In 2019, the amount that I traveled, the amount of cultures that I got to visit, the amount of business that I had, the amount of learning that came from it all was one of the best years of my entire fucking life. In other words, the most authentic years of your life because it was so aligned to your values. Very, very much yeah. so. So that's was- the biggest thing that you get from Martini. I'm curious to know, what's your biggest... Uh, question unanswered question or thing that you still think about when it comes to Martini's lessons is there anything that you just like can't wrap your head around or that you just not, doesn't doesn't resonate i had this with them and i literally had a chat with him on sunday with it because i was just spent three days with him his values he's got a very very high value on learning and he's also got very high value on science and a lot of his correlations to that he teaches is science-based so sometimes like i learn something especially through his higher level courses it's so fucking science-based and i'm like I don't give a fuck about science bro but it's like i need to sit there and listen to it multiple times to digress it and then understand it the way i'm going to take it in whereas the person wouldn't be able to sit through that and like that's the reason why his like his world of mat like mastery is very focused on a certain type of person yeah. uh and it's and every single time, whether I've done master planning, whether I did prophecy, whether I've done the wealth acceleration, financial uh, um, trainings with him, whichever ones I've done with him, they're always the core understanding is the science of it that he's yes. kind of his, his research is based around that. Yeah. So it's like a, that's been my big thing. It's like, bro, this science scientific shit, get rid of it. Explain to me on a human fucking conversational basis. <laughs> yeah. and he kind of like snaps out of it and. And, and then gives it to me. Yeah. I think that's a really, really important point because 
there's a higher chunk important learning i think in that for people that approach personal development is that whenever you're learning from someone in particular a thought leader or an expert of some uh, way that they're always projecting their values into the model of what they teach and a lot of people don't have the self-awareness and self-worth to then be able to filter it through their own values and filter it through their own character and filter it through their own strengths and weaknesses to know how it's actually going to be relevant and and improve their quality of life so a lot of people don't look because they're looking for certainty so much someone and most ex- experts and thought leaders are so certain on whatever they whatever they say so you go to one seminar take the certainty people are just this is the way it needs to be. It's all about, like even me, I'm about courage. It's always about courage. It's not always about courage. Sometimes it's about the opposite. Sometimes it's about comfort and just chilling and giving yourself a pat on the back and just relaxing. So it's like discerning and you're so right. He's so impressively intellectual and intelligent and his models are based around connecting dots and, and he's connected like every dot that could be connected pretty much by studying everything that could be studied pretty much um and that's through the lens of like logic and results as opposed to experience and emotion which is but he's got an intellectual view on the emotion but it's not a actual yeah you 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 get what we're saying i think that's really valuable to hear thank you for sharing that and he's a man he's a genius this guy such a genius yeah definitely is trying to get as much out of him as i possibly can in the times that he's going to teach because we know they're also going to slow down soon we'll see i feel like you'll uh He'll keep people guessing on that front because did he does has he said anything about it or you're just making a presumption because he's been doing it for forty so nah, years. Like he's gonna still do some of his advanced classes and stuff. So um but I think on his like simpler stuff, like the breakthrough experience, his daughter's doing more. Um it, obviously now that he's seen, you know, his one of his big um guys were traveling the world and he didn't get to do it this year, but it's also given him he's seen the other side, the balance of it, that now he's doing a lot more through Zoom and classes and stuff um where he's realizing that he can live on his ship and do some of the classes that he wants to do which he's going to be doing as soon as he gets the chance to so who knows what he's going to do in person um but i know it's more and more i talk because i'm i'm very very close with the guys at the Martini institute like his daughters um i was talking earlier this week and so just the more the conversation of where it's going and the questions that come out of it you can see that it's going towards john taking a little bit more of a step back and enjoying his life, I think, a little bit more while he still teaches. He's still never going to not teach. I don't think he's going to do, who knows, if he'll be, you know, 300. And to be embodying what it is that he teaches, he must uh, continue to teach. It's in his blood. To show up and run the same seminar, every workshop every weekend, pretty much for 40 years. It's next level. It's, it's next level. It's You got it. You, you, if you didn't love it, <laughs> imagine if he was just like, well, I said that I got to stick by my values, so I have to run it to be in alignment with my method. But he actually hates it. (laughs) I've never seen a guy that can go like, I'm going to be doing an event with him later on this year where it's going to be 10 days, probably on 12 plus 13 plus hours a day. Um, And I was like, and I couldn't fathom that. But then when I did a seven days with him of Prophecy One experience and going through seven days of like 14 plus hours a day with him, I was like, no coffee, just water. And then in the room and talking, I'm like, there's a secret. There's a secret to how he does it. And this is the secret. I've got to show it. I want you to, I want you to like commentate what I'm doing so that the people that are listening can, um, cause they obviously can't see what I'm doing, but this is, this is the secret. All right. You ready? Oh, and he's continuing moving into one spot. Yeah. <laughs> you said him do that. Yeah, he's, all the time. he's always walking with his knees, like, always, just always motoring him. 
I reckon it's yeah. got to be secret. I reckon it like keeps his body going and keeps him energized. Probably for sure. Like even when he, even when he's sitting nowadays on Zoom, like even over the weekend, he's like sitting and he's like you can just see him like and it looks like someone called him out and said like, "Do you have um, what's a disease of where you're continually shaking and moving all the time?" Because like, they call him on Parkinson's disease. Yeah, they're like yeah, Parkinson's. Like no, I have to just sit here and bounce in my chair all day. I think it's a secret to his energy. Kind of like what Tony Maybe. Robbins does with the trampoline thing. It's like jump. Yeah, jumping all the time. He's actually a raging Tony Robbins fan. <laughs> Closet <of> Tony <laughs> Robbins. Imagine that. <laughs> that would be <laughs> Actually, the first time, because I was such a hardcore Tony, and I still am, but I was such a hardcore Tony Robbins fan, and I've never been exposed to Martini. And the first time I did the breakthrough experience, I got in a in like a 45-minute hardcore debate with him in front of the whole room about state management and how you can actually experience more positive traits than negative traits. And it's, I, I just couldn't wrap my head around it. And I was like so attached to it. It was crazy. But uh, good times. It was good fun. Um, man, I would like to know how you would want the people who are listening, who are presuming, presumably into business or romanticize about the idea of being in business. You are hard in the sense that you have an erect penis. Jokes. You're hard in, in the sense that you have gone through a lot of crap. Yeah. You have gone through, because we were talking about it before we started this podcast, we're like sharing battle battle stories, war stories. Battle wounds. Yeah, battle wounds. You've got plenty. Like, what would you, because you want to do a lot of inspiring and, and, and sharing your story and have it help other people. What would you like, like, what are the three biggest things that you'd want people to know from your experience in business? Uh, before starting or in order to start scaling effectively a business? Good question. The three biggest things that I probably want people to know before they started or scaled a business is number one, here's speaking of DMRT. um, I was highly infatuated with the idea of wanting to build and scale a company, but what the fuck was I building and scaling a company for? Now that infatuation of wanting to do it, having the skill set that I'd already built in sales, I knew I could do it. So just pause, let's pause um, for a second in case someone doesn't know Martini. Infatuation means when you look at a certain activity or goal or something and something, and you assume that there's actually going to be more good than bad or more benefits than drawbacks of doing that. So when people are infatuated a bit with business or a girl or a, a, a partner that they're going to go into a relationship with, they're, then they're blinded to the, the drawbacks that are going to come from it. They're just looking at all the good shit. Just want yeah. to say that. So I was very, very infatuated with that idea. And trying to do that at the earlier stages of my company, built it pretty damn fast, and it fucking torched it just as quickly. Mm-hmm. Uh, I balanced myself out, you know, and I learned, it's like, okay, why did that happen? And then I started to obviously go and dig more into the world of, you know, balance and, and, uh, because at the end of the day, no matter which way you look at it in your business, like there's benefits and drawbacks, there's um, in everything that you do. I just didn't see the drop. I all I saw was benefits of building and scaling a company, and see the drawbacks of building and scaling a company. What, now, on one side, of, yeah. What are some of the drawbacks that would you think would be helpful for people to know? The drawbacks of building and scaling a company, you know, on one thing, when you attract more wealth, you attract more haters. A lot of times, that's from a social perspective. You got to learn to deal with that. I'm sure you've seen that in your day. <laughs> Certainly. <laughs> When you when you attract when you build a company from a financial standpoint, it comes more headaches in terms of dealing with lawyers and dealing with insurance things, et cetera. That you need to make sure that your ass is covered. Nobody teaches you that. You end up going through lawsuits and you don't have insurance, and you're like, 
what the fuck $7,000 insurance bill could have saved me a 50 or $100,000 legal bill for no reason. Um, so it's like the drawbacks there, scaling a company, your team's going to grow the, the, you know, you benefits to building a big team and scaling that. However, the, you know, the drawbacks of building a team also comes at the expense of offices at the expense of, um, you know, when they're sick and time off and then taking responsibility for the pandemic hits and trying to, do you furlough them? Do you keep them? Do not, it's like things that you like, literally now you're building a company, not just to feed you and your family and put food you, for you and your family on the table, but for, you know, 20, 30, 50, depending how big your team is, every decision is now a ripple effect. It's not a one person effect. It's not like a self decision. It's a entire, um, you know, for me, every time I look at it, making a decision in the company, it's like, how many people is this going to affect good positively and or negatively? And if I can't find both, I won't make that decision. Wow. Unless it's balanced and you've got a completely balanced perspective. You don't make the call. Yeah. Cause you, if it's one side of if it's more if it's swayed to one side or the other, then it's not worth doing. Perceivingly. Yeah. Well, I a lot of times I'll literally sit down on a piece of paper on my computer and I'll draw it and I'll write it out, like the benefits and drawbacks. And if they're not close enough in integration of like one's more than the other, like considerably more than the other, I'm not doing it. Because of the because it's still a perception, right? It's still a perception at the end of the day, but you but you're getting everything out on, you know, contextually to see in front of you, black and white. Yeah. So you're essentially saying like, let's say you want to make a decision. You're just seeing benefit, 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 benefit. You can't find the drawbacks. You will literally go, there's a big ass booby trap in this. And I ain't going to make that call. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. I'm not going to be infatuated by doing it at all. Yeah. That's, that's, in, that, that'd be very interesting for people to hear listening to this that because if because i hear it all the time like when i catch up with friends that are newer to business they're like yeah i'm doing this and you know it's so awesome i got this and this and this i can just already it just as a business owner it's just got a bit more experience see all the things that they're not seeing already and just go man this person's in for an absolute world of pain a lot of the times it's like you know i sit there like like i'm sitting trying to fucking keep my mouth shut in the chair because i'm like i can give you all this context but it's like giving someone the 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 information that you've already gone through is pointless and they're asking you for it. The one thing that I ask them is like, okay, that's great. Like phenomenal. Like, you know, well done. You're excited, et cetera. Have you sat down and put down on a piece of paper, everything that could go wrong and just be quiet. And a lot of times you just like take them out of like that entire, like you can see people's physical demeanor just change. Like you asshole. I was so excited. I just pulled that out of me. But it's, it's actually, but it's like, no, I'm having thing to do. Yeah. Such a loving thing to do. Okay, cool. So that's the first thing you would say, don't, like be aware of the drawbacks watch out for your infatuations is the first thing you'd want people to know what are the other two um the other two i would probably say is when going to build or scale a company is start to realize and this is something that i made a mistake early on was and i read the book the e-myth i'm sure you've read the book the e-myth by michael gerber and the gist i've read some of it yeah um, and he talks about, you know, working on your business, not in your business. I worked in the business way too long to the point where you hit that point of burnout, mm. which, whichever thing they burn out is really not a state of being. It's or you know, it's just a term that most people look at. It's just, you end up losing, truly, you end up losing the reason to why you're doing the business. That's all burnout is. Yeah. Uh, and then you take that and you put it into working on your business and having a goal and a plan and a set time that you want to achieve that by mm. and staying consistent with the daily micro commitments to get to that point, you'll enjoy the process more than just going one speed go and then hitting a wall and saying, what the fuck did I do all this for? So can I, I want to relay back 
so to, to see if I get this straight and to help clarify for the listeners, E-Myth is all about understanding the three main roles that you can play in a business. You can either play the entrepreneur's role, which is the person that's on the business running it. You get the manager role, which is the person that's doing like the operations of the like people processes. And then you've got the technician role, which is the areas of specialty, whether it's within marketing, sales, product, slash delivery, operations, or finance. And, and so you're essentially saying, understand which one you want to play, or are you saying, don't do the technician and manager? Understand which one you want to play and then, and then make sure that you build a goal to keep to that. Yeah. So then that way you're trying to do things. Because it's like at the end of the day, if you don't want to be the entrepreneur, you don't want to be the CEO of the company, you don't have to. You can pay people to do it. Yeah. So true. And it's so that you're exactly right. What Because what happened with me moving into manager and too much, because if there's, I, I enjoy all three of those to a certain percentage. Managerial will be the lowest percent. <laughs> Technician would be quite a high percent. Entrepreneur would be a medium percent. So it's like, I really enjoy speaking. But speaking is a technician role. It could be under the job title of a CEO still, but as being out there and being the face, I know that's part of being a visionary, but it's it's still, yeah, I went way too much into manager. If, we, if we're just going to go put that in the category, like operations to, uh, and, and not enough time in technician. So my imbalance, I had a huge imbalance and that's why I did burnout. It was a really good point, man. Um, that's sick. That's a great piece there, dude. What's the third one you'd give? Uh, the third one that I would probably give is one that I'm one that I'm starting to realize that I didn't do a lot of, and I'm starting to be more focused. And it's like finding the balance. You'll never find work-life balance is fifty-fifty, ever. Um, and if anybody tells you that, they're selling you a bunch of bullshit. Because at the end of the day, go back to your values, your life's going to run based on the values that you have in your life. Mm. But being, making sure that you're being fair to every single other person in your life throughout the entire process of building the business. Because mm. uh, a lot of times you get into business and then you forget about family and you forget about all the other things. You know, They've got their benefits, they've got their drawbacks, so no matter what. But it gets to a situation where um, you know you actually take the time, whether it's, you know, a weekend a month or a dedicated time a month or in a week and give that to the people that have given back to you mm. uh, and spend quality time with them every single month, whether it's, you know, an afternoon or a day or an evening or a date night with your partner or whatever it is, just kind of go down that route because that makes a big, big difference. And 2020 was a big realization for me because within one month of having a kid and then losing my dad, that was like the entire world of transformation. I saw it from, you know, both sides that I realized it was like, damn. Sorry I to hear about your dad passing. I didn't actually know that, Rohan. Yeah. So that happened within a month of that, within one month of each other happening. And that was more of like a realization to see, okay, okay. I went too hard on one side and, you know, didn't give him enough time. Mm. But at the end of the day, I beat myself up about it. No. I did it and, you know there was benefits of it and there were drawbacks from it and there were benefits while I was sick that had been working as hard as I did in 2019 I was able to take care of a lot of other things that probably wouldn't have been able to do prior to that's beautiful man and I think a big part of that from my perspective in terms of looking after the people that are in your life during the journey of business is understanding what the expectations are from their point of view because and that's that just that just comes down to constant communication. It's like just speaking to people and finding out what they because 
when you said to be fair to the people in your life, what someone else considers to be fair is going to be very different. Um, so absolutely, and, and the other is also finding out what their values are and doing things that they value and finding something that meets in the middle of both of yours, so you can both enjoy the reason to why you're on this fucking planet in the first place. I love that. I haven't thought about that for a while. I remember connecting that dot when I was at a breakthrough experience, which I've done a few times, but connecting what you do with that person so it's a mutual exchange of values where you both have some kind of enjoyment between it to be honest with you i think that's like a, a big reason that i don't chat to or it, it is the reason why i lose touch with certain people because it's not a 50 50 uh fair exchange yeah fair exchange in terms of the way in which we interact doesn't light both of our values up it's a really yeah. really interesting point man thanks for sharing that absolutely oh yeah it's been a great chat so far man i've got one more question for you before i ask you this question though we wrap up man i want to honor you i want to honor you you've been so vulnerable in this conversation man you're a very well-rounded dude that's very vulnerable and open i really appreciate that about you i guess it's because you love learning so much like i really love that there's just a lot of authenticity that comes from you and it's very uh refreshing and it's enjoy enjoyable to be around man and and also you are a you are a very courageous, uh, you make shit happen and that's inspiring. Uh, I think it's going to be really cool to see you out there in the world, inspiring people more because you have a, a really inspiring story and you're a very, very a genuine dude. I really enjoy, enjoyed this chat, man. It's great to be reconnected again. So thank you. Thanks for being you. Thank you. Thank you for giving me an opportunity to share this with your audience. Pleasure, man. Pleasure. So my final question for you is, random person comes to you you don't know whether they're male or female you don't know how old they are you don't know anything about them all you know is they want to give you a million dollars in a briefcase in exchange for what you would consider to be the most valuable tool piece of advice practice that you know because uh, they want to attribute they, they just fancy you big time and they and they want to attribute that much value to what you're going to give them what would be the single most valuable thing objectively that you you could give to someone? What part of life though? The whole life, the whole gamut, you could say. If there's one thing, and I think it just comes down to it, the more and more, the more and more I can I can't harp on this enough, is just living in a state of authenticity. And living in a state of balance. Mm. Explain them. Just go a little like one layer deeper and explain those because they're, they're very powerful. Uh, the big thing is like most people are like they're living they're living their life for somebody else. They want the more followers to prove that they can be, feel worthy, but the followers are for who? Not for yourself. They're to make you look good for somebody else, but they're actually making you look good. Mm. Um, you know, the money that comes from that makes you for who? What are you doing with that money that's going to make a big difference? Um, and understanding like why are you doing every single piece in the light in your life mm -hmm. and kind of going down that road and you know earlier on the podcast we talked about all the crazy things of like not literally not having any money to building to what i have today is phenomenal because it made me realize the value of that extra dollar the extra ten dollars an extra million dollars um and it came from the perspective of not having anything whereas you know living in a state of balance and authentic self is like you see people that have built that have lot perfect example people that win the lottery just as fast as they win the lottery they fucking go broke mm. and broke when they won the lottery the first time 
Why? Because they didn't have a state of balance and they weren't living in their, in their authentic self when that money came to them. So I get the authentic self pace. I want you just to go one extra layer of depth with the explaining what balance. Like, so this person's like, okay, cool. I'm about to give you a million bucks. <laughs> what's the what's the balance? Uh, Mental balance. So like, it goes back to the the negative self talk, right? A lot of the times, is like a lot of who is the one person you're having a conversation with twenty four seven. Yourself. Yourself. Exactly. And it, it's majority of the time, it's either you're beating yourself up for something that you wish you did do or didn't do, mm-hmm. or you're having this high and high of understanding. Oh fuck, I'm gonna you know this ego side, narcissistic side of you starts to come out. It's finding that in that moment, the feedback of each and why you're having those conversations so that you're okay with those conversations. A lot of the times when you're in a negative self-talk, you're, you're, depreci- you're self-depreciating yourself and getting into that depressed state of mind because you're comparing that your life could be better than it currently is. Yes. So what you're saying is you're saying people that are listening to like this person, with the, like the advice is don't be inflated. Don't think that you're all like better than other people and don't. And and when you're in those times where you're feeling better than other people, just humble yourself down, realize where you're actually the areas that you're not looking at, where you're actually not pulling your weight, just so you've got a more balanced perspective. And when you're also thinking you're way worse than other people and you're feeling really deflated, then just boost yourself up a bit. See the, see how you're actually shining. Well, look, look, look a perfect example. Like um, the most recent one that I can think of is, you know, Elon Musk breaks the richest man in the world accolades out the fucking wazoo every news channel is talking about it every magazine article is talking about it what is he what is he tweet? oh really back to work instantly balance himself from that situation yeah Didn't get that's really powerful that he did it himself it's a good word as well i'm gonna wazoo <laughs> accolades out the wazoo that's a good <laughs> yeah. it's Right. There's a reason to why he's had the success that he's had because he came from all of that, gave it all it went, look at where he's at now. Doesn't put himself on the pedestal, at least from the outside. We don't know internally the conversation he's having within himself, but he's been able to, like, even while all of that's going on, his thing is like, oh, really? Back to work. Yeah. And he understands the sacrifices that he's making that the people that are infatuated with his position would not be willing to make, which is the ridiculous amount of detriment on his relationships, his health, and, um, and the time that he gets to spend, it's all like 99% of time outside sleeping would be working. That's a beautiful way to end this, man. Thank you so much for jumping on. It's been a pleasure to see you again. Likewise, dude. Thanks for having me. It's definitely been amazing to be chatting with you after all these years, to say the least. Thank you for tuning into the Ryan Magic Show, you absolute legend. Before you go, I've got a quick question for you. Have you thought about hiring a new coach to help you grow your life and your business? If the answer is yes, then shoot me a message on Instagram. I've got some exciting new coaching courses launching and I'm actually looking at bringing on a couple more one-to-one clients at the moment. So shoot me a message on Instagram. My Insta handle is TheRyanMagic and I can't wait to chat to you and I can't wait to see you guys on the next episode.